0: going so trophy kids we've got an awesome one here for you oh, i just yawned and my eyes are watering up if you're watching this live um we got an awesome one we're talking college football here breaking down all the big games this weekend giving out some bets it's a good one let's go hey, welcome trophy kids presented by bad news media it is friday october 28th we're actually recording this on friday October 28th after work, um. so you'll yeah. be hearing this late and hopefully early Saturday to give you a breakdown of all of college football this week. As always, we've Absolutely. got Dante on. How are we doing today? Good, sir? Doing well, doing well. had a late day at work, but
1: you know, got to get this
0: through here. I mean, we got rivalry. We can't we We can't not talk about what for this podcast will be a very big game in Michigan, Michigan State, as we do have a lot of listeners that reside in the Michigan area and have great interest in our own uh, personal satisfaction or misery, I would say, uh, pertains (laughs) to this game, especially.
1: Hey, Mel Tucker is two and O oh in uh this rivalry right now. So hopefully we can keep that up.
0: Uh yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll get into it. Um quick notes. I actually I was looking at the uh the, the AP top twenty-five today and you know, I don't have a, a whole lot difference wise. I mean, it's, it's over after this week, right? Correct. And then yeah. we just moved to the college football rankings. I do think that you flip Michigan, Tennessee. Michigan's earned their right, I think. in that respect they're just a, a more well-rounded team. I think they should be third. Tennessee should be four. Alabama, Clemson, however you want to do it. I have Clemson yeah. six, but Alabama five. And that's really just the top six. Outside of that, it's been, it's been an interesting week. I will say before we dig into it, I uh, – the best bet did not hit last week. It just yeah. exemplifies the frustration that I've run into, unfortunately, this year. Um, but, I haven't been good, but we were on the right side did. at least. The evaluation was correct. Right. You can't factor in being down two quarterbacks through that game and having a third string quarterback come in um, when you're up 18. It just that that was the unfortunate variance that that came into play. Yeah, um, but we
1: were right about
0: Syracuse, Clemson. right. Yep.
1: You were right about that one. That line was too big.
0: It stunk to high
1: heaven. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) Which, in another game, which was kind of weird because, you know, just a quick recap, it's like, I mean, obviously the game plan sort of worked when you look at the box score. You know, you do have that giant fumble touchdown recovery that helps Syracuse greatly. But the fact that they didn't run uh, Tucker very often in that game was, was extremely shocking to me. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out this week because they've got a big game against Notre Dame that they got to get back up for because even though Notre Dame is having a down year, this is a team that, if you're not careful, can very much beat you up in the trenches.
1: Yeah, I think if Syracuse wants to remain in the spotlight or saying that you know their 2022 team was good, um, being ranked 14 or 15 or whatever they're ranked right now, they do have to go in and get a commanding lead or I'm sorry, a commanding win, a definitive win against a middling to bad Notre Dame team. Because if you go in there and let the, the brand of Notre Dame beat you, then this season is off or not. You work, you work to be, you know, three and one or, you know, three and two for nothing. So I think Syracuse should, you know, pin their ears back, get the win, you know, brush this Clemson loss off for, for all intents and purposes right? And I know moral victories don't mean much, but that game being 21, 27, that is a small, small victory for, for the orange there.
0: I'd agree. I mean, they went up against a very, uh, a much superior team when you look as far as talent on the field and they held their own, um, which I think is certainly something that they should be proud of and hang their heads high on that one. I mean, they are going to be in the dome in Syracuse for this game. So that is at (laughs) least good, Um, but it will be interesting to see now. I think we just hop right into it. The game week, we can't,
1: we can't hop right into it. We have to at least a little bit talk about what the pandemonium of the Texas Oklahoma State game.
0: Oh my goodness! Great (laughs) call there. Um. What an interesting Oklahoma State just seems to have like a get out of free jail card every week this season, which has been great for when we've bet them on this show. But I mean, Mm -hmm. if Quentin Ewers doesn't start hunting the big game ball because he got a couple early good passes in that game, I think that game is is vastly different. But my God, I mean, Oklahoma State just getting bailed out left and right once again.
1: Well, and then Texas also not choosing to contain him when (laughs) he because you're right. I think Texas probably thought like we you and I both thought like, okay, that was that was a fluke or that was lucky. But when it keeps happening, right? You gotta come up with some sort of game plan for it. And then to go scoreless, Texas to go scoreless in the fourth quarter, that's
0: unacceptable. I could not believe what I was watching with my own eyes in that game. Um it, it was just a weekend that unfolded in a very unfortunate manner because once again it was it was a good evaluation on our part. It was just the execution was his poor uh, on Texas's part, and I, I just for a team that you know two weeks ago we were talking about. Okay, if they can end this season, you know, without accumulating another loss, you know, maybe we mm-hmm. need to look at them for the college football playoff or a, a really high end bowl game because it, it you know, Quentin George wasn't in that game um, when they went up and they played Alabama. They probably win that game if he doesn't get hurt and that kind of variance there. But man, that that showing on Saturday. Sort of proved that Texas is not nowhere close to necessarily being back because of just the mental lapses that kept occurring in that game.
1: Yeah, and they they did the college football playoff a favor by losing that game. Yeah, thank God
0: didn't do my wallet a favor, which I will be holding that grudge over them forever now. Um, but my because you know if they would have
1: beat Oklahoma State at eleven, they would have jumped way up.
0: Hundred percent, and the argument could have been made that hey, as long as you know. Quentin Ewers hadn't gotten hurt in that Alabama game. This is a really Mm -hmm. good football team that's been making headway, and and so, you know, they should have a shot, but, oh, my God, just absolutely frustrating everywhere you look. Okay, with that said, Michigan, Michigan State.
1: Let's talk about it.
0: Big brother versus little brother. The quote of the century on this one. Big-time rivalry like. game has flipped the rivalry completely on its head ever since those comments have been uttered. Michigan State has been able to step up in class in this series and been able to sneak out with a ton of different wins in various different ways. Um, they got the big win last year. Um, but this year, they come into this game very underpowered. They are more than a three-point underdog, and this line is sitting at 22 currently. 22 and a mm-hmm. half is what I am seeing. When you look at this game and going into it as a Michigan State fan, what are the things you're kind of liking about this matchup or the things that are kind of scaring you right off the bat before as we break this one down? Gotcha. Well, before
1: a Michigan State fan, as a college football fan, I, I look at this two ways. One, Michigan is playing for their season, right, to, to continue to be undefeated in the Big Ten so that there is no question when they go up at the end of the year – um, against Ohio State, that if they win this game, they deserve to be in the college football playoffs. They don't need to stumble against a bad Michigan State team who is one in three, right? But with that said, they have in the past, under this coach, stumbled against bad Michigan State teams. Now, whether that's a rivalry, whether that's them overlooking the team, whether that's jim harbaugh not respecting the brand of michigan state or the coach on the other side i don't know what it is but i know michigan cannot afford to do it this time i think last year the college football playoff um committee for michigan gave them a mulligan for losing against michigan state because michigan state was if they weren't ranked they were right on the outside of being ranked right and so you could say you know It was a rivalry game. They played a decent opponent. You don't have that luxury with a one and three Michigan State this year. If you lose this game, you could easily be out of the conversation. Um, And if I'm Michigan State, this is a chance to turn your season around. Right. You can use the momentum of um, winning this game, getting, you know, getting the two and three in the conference, then maybe getting the three and three in conference and and aiming for um, a bowl at the end of the season. Right. Possibly. Um, You could do that. That's high high in the sky, but you can start here. You can start turning around. Now, as a Michigan State fan, um, things that excite me, right? We have the linebackers are playing well at Michigan State. I know the defense is not great, but the linebackers are playing well, and that has been a problem for Michigan's quarterback, right? Um, If he's holding on to the ball long enough, which he hasn't, luckily, he's either handing it off to um, Edwards or Quorum, right? So he doesn't really have to hold on to the ball too long. Um, But if he is holding on to the ball, if he has to make decisions, right, Um, that could be one or two sacks. And um, Windman, uh, Jacoby, he is forcing fumbles like every other game. And again, if you're Michigan, you don't want to get in these one-score games with Michigan State because you've lost them in the past. Now, what scares me, obviously, at the same time of me talking about the linebackers, um, Quorum and Edwards uh, against our front line, our, our, front, our defensive line, that sounds like a nightmare. We're not even talking about passing the ball, right? We're just talking about running up the gut, wearing Michigan State down, and I, honestly, I don't think they should be passing the ball against Michigan State, if I'm being completely honest. I think they should stay, stay on the ground and just let Quorum um, work, because I don't know how Michigan State stops him if I'm being honest. And then on the other side of the ball for Michigan, right, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Mike Morris. That is probably... ...gets to the other quarterback. He is like a heat-seeking missile. Um, And so if, you know, Peyton is unsure or Reed isn't open, um, I could see Mike Morris just... Uh, making it a long day for uh, Peyton Thorne back there.
0: Some good points. All right. I I, I don't disagree with that. It's interesting that you identified the linebackers because I was going to say in order for Michigan State to really hang into this game, they're going to have to play downhill and play physical because we have seen what this Michigan Michigan team is bringing to the table this year, and it is a nasty group up front, a team that is not going to get bullied a whole lot in the trenches, who is looking to set the tone physically with the uh, with dominating at the line of scrimmage, bringing in a power run game. Um, so it is going to be important that the linebackers play free, get off their blocks, mm-hmm. and play downhill for sure if Michigan State is going to have a chance to stay within this number. Because at this point, I think it's pretty obvious that when you look at these two teams, one roster drops, jumps out more than the other. The talent Absolutely. disparity is enormous for for Michigan right now. Um, the thing that makes me nervous about betting this game is it is a more than a three-touchdown score game. At 22-and-a-half, that opens up for a potential backdoor cover, especially against a Michigan team in a rival game. In the last 10 games, is 8-for-2 against the spread. So whatever it is about this, Michigan State just has this weird magic about them in this rivalry game that allows them to hang in games that throughout the years they probably shouldn't have hanged into because Michigan was the more talented roster but Michigan State ever since that little brother comment by Michael Hart has kind of flipped this rivalry on its head and really taken it to Michigan now with that being said I fully expect Michigan to probably win this game yeah. the things that are going to be interesting I'll get I would like to get your point of view on this is we have seen a resurgence of Peyton Thorne I think when we flip flip the ball defensively you're correct I think the linebackers are going to be the key for Michigan State to keep this close when you look at Michigan State's defense versus a Michigan offense that has been performing at a highly efficient um, pace I mean Michigan comes in with the highest completion percentage from a passing offense right now they take what's given to them they don't try to stretch do too much they take care of the ball a running game that is just bludgeoned teams to death so I agree linebackers are going to be key here but when we flip the field and we look at this Michigan defense versus this Michigan State offense, I think it comes down to Peyton Thord and the wide receiver core to really step up and make some plays because I don't know if the Michigan State running back room and offensive line are going to be able to control no. and dominate this game. So do you think the offense has enough firepower after what seems to be a, a, a pivotal turn in that Wisconsin game to make some magic here and stay within the number, because I, I think at this point, I think we're both on the same page. We're talking about whether or not Michigan State can cover this game. I don't know if either one of us necessarily believe they can win this game outright, but once again, there is magic in, in Michigan State. There is. Um, like you
1: said, Michigan State has either won or at least covered the spread in this this game in in recent history. Michigan's defense is, is not... Maryland showed you how to pick apart their defense, right? With spreading them early, and um, they're soft. They'll play that. They're playing man, but it's kind of like a, a like a loose man because they're they're hoping that your your um like when they had Hutchinson there or, or um Ajabo, right? They're they're hoping that they're getting to the quarterback, so they're kind of selling out on the on the wide receivers sometimes. And so uh, Maryland showed you that you can, it's a little soft. So if you can get the ball to Reed, if you can get the ball to um, Coleman, um, then yeah, I think you got a game. I think the problem Nate comes in is I think Thorne, Reed, Coleman, I think they're addicted to the big plays.
0: I don't disagree with that. And I think that becomes a very dangerous thing in this game because what Michigan ideally wants to do is put you in a third down passable mm-hmm. situation to get after you because they have become one of the premier teams at this point in the season when it comes to third down defense and being able to get after the quarterback and really apply pressure. And I've been been over I mean we gave them their lickings after that Maryland game and said, "Look, they're not as good as they Coming into the season, kind of our concerns about this defense were valid. This team has a lot to improve on. We've seen steady improvement. We saw it in the in the Penn State game. Now, I think it once again it comes down to Peyton Thorn um, being able to work the ball in here, not trying to play too far out of his system, and taking care of the football because you do have playmakers that Reed is going to win some individual battles throughout absolutely. the game and you absolutely and you have to you don't want to be looking away from him, but you don't want to be looking every single play to get a big play because that is what michigan wants you to do because they are going mm-hmm. to they're going to give you the smaller stuff in order to try to put you in a third impassable down and then get after your ass and so, not only that you have michigan to take a
1: lot michigan i'm sure knows has been watching michigan state I'm sure Michigan is fine with Michigan State getting in the field goal range because we can't make them.
0: Yeah, that's another point. So,
1: yeah. And the- so I'm they they may be willing to give up those big plays, right, and then stop you from getting to the red zone.
0: Absolutely. And, and that's sort of the, the defense they've been playing for the most part is this bend-don't-break because, like I said, it, it gets back to this philosophy of we want to get – your offense to a third and passing down so we can get after your ass because we now believe that we have the horses to do that, and they have absolutely shown that ability. Um, So, yeah, I I do think Michigan should win this game. The dynamics are very interesting. It's just Michigan State's magic. Like I said, last 10 games, 8-2 against the spread. This is a a team that has just had magic from that block punt at the end of the game and various other things throughout the years. It makes me nervous to put my money on Michigan at minus 22.5 because – even if you're beating this team 28, 30 something points. That's a lot. Yeah, it's just a lot of points to cover. So I, I think from a betting perspective, Michigan State is probably the side. But Michigan should handle their business here. I just, I don't think this year, and I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing as a Michigan State fan. You just don't have, no. it's a down year, and you don't have the it's guys to compete on the field because Michigan right now, their roster, is just, it's so well constructed. It's such a well balanced team that unless they get crazy with it, and they're in the big house, this is a very winnable game for them here. Any other final points before we move on from this one?
1: You know, I'm hoping for a win tomorrow. I would love it, you know, uh, right before Halloween, my favorite time of year, um, to go in Ann Arbor and still a game. Um, I know Michigan fans are going to be like, this is your Super Bowl, whatever. I don't care what you say. If you lose to a bad Michigan State team, it's worse than winning. It's worse than losing to a good Michigan State team. And that's what I'm always going to say. I've, I've seen you do both. So I won't – I'll say this. I'll be cheering tomorrow if we win. I won't be surpri- – I really won't be surprised if we win. But I'm not going in there naive thinking that we will win. Also, you know, that, that, old, that old superstition of, like, you can get a bad team up for one game a year. Yep
0: why college football is, is a magical <laughs> sport. is these rivalries and yeah. the way teams that should not be in games that, that they are in it, they just get up for these rival games and the mentality yeah. switches. I think the one thing hurting Michigan State in this one is they surprised Michigan last year. Michigan came yep. into that, the better yep. team coming into that game, and they got caught at they the over-look. wheel, sleeping at the wheel. And yeah, I don't they think over-look. they can get – sli- I don't think they're going to be sleeping at the wheel this year knowing what happened last year.
1: Yeah, they have to – that's the – like a the win losing this game for Michigan is more detrimental than it was last year. Again, Michigan State was a decent team last year. So you you got a mulligan. And I hope you all realize that. Yeah. Um but this year, I, I think you would make it very easy easy for the um playoff committee to be like Michigan doesn't deserve to be there if you lose against a bad Michigan State team. And I would love that. Like I would I'm going to laugh.
0: Yeah. Oh, it would be a disaster. And I think for Michigan, the other key is is making sure you have third and manageables if you're getting to third down, because Michigan State has very much struggled on third down defense, their conversion rate. I mean, teams are converting at a 43% clip on third down right now. So for Michigan State, it's going to be making sure you don't allow big plays on first and second down and getting them into long and third down distance kind of situations and for michigan you really got to make sure you're being efficient on first and second down because when you get to third down we have seen michigan state sort of collapse defensively
1: absolutely also i mean when you're playing when the defense is playing 90 percent
0: of the time my god that's the other part that becomes problem yeah all righty Another one, another rivalry. I feel like Tennessee's got a thousand rivals when it comes to the SEC. I, <laughs> I mean, I feel right, like every you know, team they. Tennessee. Oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> I feel like
0: every team they play is a is a quote unquote rival. But the Kentucky Wildcats are coming into Tennessee this week. They are an eleven and a half point underdog. Tennessee will be busting out their black smoke uniforms. Over unders at sixty one and a half. This game presents some interesting dynamics um, because stylistically these two offenses are 110% polar opposites. You have the number one team in offensive pace in Tennessee and you have the dead last 132nd paced offense in the Kentucky Wildcats. Cannot get more different than those two. When we look at this game, In the way Kentucky has played so far this season versus how Tennessee has had a very simple philosophy, score quick and score often because our defensive backs are not going to hold up. Does Kentucky, in your opinion, have enough juice to stay with this high-flying Tennessee offense and a defense that even though they've been cut through like butter through the air, when you get to the red zone, they do button it up and have been a very efficient defense in making sure teams do not score short field conversions uh, this game is unique
1: in the sense that when's the last time they've played both teams have played this game and it has meant something for both of them it's a good question I'm sure it's been like decades if yeah. not it at least as long as I've been watching college football, well, so K- say the-
0: Kentucky's been the better team the last couple of years, but they haven't been national championship. Exactly. Yeah, Like they've been a very good football team. Which to Stoops' credit, I mean, turning Kentucky into a football school is a miracle. Um, he's that man is working miracles down there in Lexington. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great point. Tennessee hasn't hasn't probably had the this- meaningful game for this one outside of it just being a rivalry. So th-
1: this game makes me feel weird because like. What's happening in the mind of the coaches, the players, and the fans when you haven't had this version of the rivalry probably in the last, I'm going to go out there and say 20 years, right? In yeah. modern in modern college football history, you've not had this version of rivalry. Uh, what my gut is telling me is that Kentucky does not have the firepower to – exploit Tennessee's defense.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. It's my concern with this, this game because Kentucky is a, the strategy is simple. We want to muck it up. We want to make this game muddy. We want to hold onto the ball. But, I mean, last year that was their strategy, and they still lost. Now, they would have covered this number because they only lost by, I think, three last year or whatever. Um, but that Kentucky team was significantly better, in my opinion. The offensive line was better. The ground game was better. The defense was better. The only mm-hmm. thing, the wide receiver core was better. The only thing that wasn't better was the quarterback play, and that's just because Will Levis has had an additional year to grow his skill set. It's still the same exactly. quarterback coming into this game. Now, the running game for Kentucky is going to improve because Rodriguez is coming is back, and he's that, been kind of right. revving up for this game game. But it comes back to this philosophy of if you're going to play this style of football where we're going to go at this ultra slow pace, we're going to try to muck it up and make it muddy against a team that is so explosive and so vertical in their their passing attempt, you have to convert touchdowns you cannot be getting into the red zone and converting just to field goals which we have seen this Kentucky offense struggle at the line of scrimmage we've seen this Tennessee defense while their secondary is garbage right now their run game is pretty good they do control they do control the line of scrimmage especially when they get to the red zone that defense flips the switch and when they can consolidate things and you can't spread them out as much they do start to gel better um, and we've seen this Kentucky team. Like in that Youngstown, I, I went down there in person to watch them in the Youngstown State game, and the offensive line was sluggish. They weren't very good until the the later part of the game where their conditioning was so superior that they really started to get a push. That's not gonna happen in this game. So no, that is my I fear. think they I think Kentucky
1: relies a lot on um Rodriguez, right? And so they haven't had him. And so it has made the offensive line step up a little bit and probably play um, above their talent a little bit. And now with him back, I wonder if those old habits are going to go. Because you're right. A lot of times they're sluggish, cause, but he's already at the first down or near the first yeah. down. So um, that's how they've played in the past. I, the other thing that bothers me with Kentucky is, like you're, you're pointing out, like, you haven't seen receivers like Tennessee's receivers. No. and
0: <laughs> Not even close. I mean, they haven't right. really played a proficient passing offense. I mean, the only thing close to that was Mississippi State and their – they're not vertical. I mean, they're more of a cut, uh, death by a thousand paper cuts kind of passing offense. People could say Mississippi State is a, a solid passing offense, but we've seen what Mississippi State was last week when they stepped up in class for the first time, and that's a te- and that's a team with Mississippi or Mississippi. I would argue too that Dart, that offense gets going based on Dart's ability to use his legs. Right. The opposite applies here. Hendon Hooker is a passer first. That is also mobile. And so they haven't had that where the teams they have played that have presented mobile quarterbacks that are an offensive threat, like Florida, Mississippi, is those guys have to use their legs to get the passing game going. Hendon Hooker gets the passing game going regardless because he is a very efficient passer but he also has the ability to be mobile if he chooses to be. And then with Mississippi State, they're not a vet vertical passing attack like Tennessee. So, yeah, this is this is something new for them. And the other problem is is I would like this game a lot better if this was coming fresh off the Alabama win because that was such an emotional, draining win for Tennessee. But they played Tennessee Martin the following week. They, I don't understand they got to why the SEC that.
1: does that. Like, how do they They have they a bye these, week like, within the middle of the season. Yeah, a bye <laughs> week when they play a cupcake.
0: Yeah. Now Tennessee does have Georgia the following week, so there may be a little I would hope, I, I would assume that that's not happening because there Kentucky is a is a is a threat, but you do have the biggest game left on your schedule coming up next week. And I hope yeah, there isn't a look of always, look of look forward factor here for this Tennessee team.
1: Yeah, that's always an issue too with a team. Trust me, I've been on the other side of this with a team like Tennessee who has this momentum, this national attention after not having it. And knowing that you have a big game next week, you cannot overlook a ranked Kentucky team. They're ranked for a reason. It might be 19, but this Kentucky team is still, you know, better than a lot of other teams in the country. And so you cannot overlook the Wildcats in this game.
0: Absolutely, because the other problem is you can't get frustrated because you're you're so used to getting into a rhythm, you're so used to getting so many at bats offensively. You're not going to get okay. as many this this game. So this is going to be a, yeah, Kentucky, this is going to test their patience from an offensive standpoint as well.
1: Absolutely. Kentucky holds people to like 16 points a game, like if if it goes well and that's still a winnable game for Tennessee, um, as long as they limit mistakes. But if it goes well for Kentucky and you do allow them like you said to muck it up,
0: it's going to be a long night for Tennessee. I do not disagree with that at all. All righty. We mentioned Georgia, the rivalry game, Georgia-Florida. I wish this would move to a home-and-home thing. The fact that they play this in Jacksonville is so annoying. I don't understand it like is it because we're not from the south that we don't understand i, I don't know I, that contract is up in a couple years so i hope <laughs> it moves back to being able to go to the home and home because those environment those home environments are so electric removing that from a game like this when these two programs are good because i do think florida is going to get back to that they're just not that this year electric atmosphere but georgia is the favorite in this one 23 and a half points is the spread over under is 56 and a half and i think what we are seeing this year with Florida is the is the kind of aftermath of a coaching staff with Dan Mullins that just did not stock the cupboard full with with good athletes and the cupboard is pretty bare for Florida and it shows especially late in games and Anthony Richardson has not progressed this season um he's arguably gotten a lot worse than what he started the season at, and you have a Georgia team that seems to finally be revving it up. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is a team that I think got bored playing with its food, and that's why we had some close games, but this is a team that understands what time of season it is. This different defense is so fast and so athletic. Offensively, they're starting to click. I don't see an angle where Florida really hangs in this game. No. Do you?
1: No. Th- I don't. Florida is, dumb. you say it. The cupboards are bare. Florida is deplete. Like, you know, when Michigan, during the COVID year, when Michigan just was like, we're hanging it up. Florida, <laughs> if Florida could do that this year, I felt like they would. I know they got the win <laughs> yeah. against Missouri um, and, you know, hung with LSU there for a, a second, but LSU isn't great either. Um, and they hung with Tennessee. That's the problem with this Florida team, is like, <sighs> they play to their competition sometimes right uh and that tennessee game kind of has me like uh, is georgia uh, is florida going to hang around with georgia if georgia gets bored right if it gets late in game and they yeah, that's the only thing. That's like I'm, Florida will not win this game, but that's where I'm worried that like, will Florida hang around?
0: It, it's positive because the spread is so big at 23 and a half. Yeah. It goes back to the Michigan-Michigan State where it's like Georgia could be beating the living crap out of them up 30, and then late in the game, ETN, who's been a fantastic back for mm-hmm. Florida and is really their saving grace at this point, breaks off a long one or kept keeps or catches Georgia sleeping at the wheel. But that's the only thing, is if Georgia plays down and just gets kind of bored and lackadaisical in this game, yeah, Florida could come and cover this. But if Georgia is ramping up like I think they're going to be and really trying to make sure their T's are crossed and I's are dotted, going into a very tough game against Tennessee next week, this is sort of their their ramp up game their game that they need to really make sure everything's oiled properly and so i feel like they have to mentality wise get after it in this game but you're right the backdoor cover is a very scary proposition it's the reason i will not be betting this game this weekend like i'm not touching this because there is a a factor that hey even if you're up 30 there is the factor too do they start pulling starters and do they start resting guys because you do have an enormous game next week against Tennessee, tennessee and that opens up the backdoor possibility
1: we will see right so um smart will be able to see if his defense can stand up to the competent play action right we thought we would see that against um the ducks but they never got it together there i think florida will be able to see like okay can we put georgia on their heels if we're doing you know mixing it up with the play action
0: yeah so it's a fair point. I mean, they're going to have to use Anthony Richardson's legs, and he's going to have to be a power back, essentially, which we've seen at times. he's He's been more willing to do it as the season's progressed, and I think that was there's some underlining injury issues there throughout the season and trying to keep him healthy, especially because the backup quarter quarterback situation at Florida is god-awful, but we've seen, and it's true, Anthony Richardson's a much different quarterback when he's aggressive with his run style, when he's not looking to get out of bounds, when he's not looking to slide, when he's looking to, to use his physical frame to get the extra couple yards, you see the effect offensively, but... Once again, I just get back to it. I just don't think they, they have anywhere close to enough talent to no. even stay within this one. The matchup predictor has this ninety-two to seven. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> so. it should be an absolute bloodbath. Um, now a game, another game. This is like the game of teams that have just somehow this week with rivalries have just stayed within the numbers. Ohio State, Penn State. The line is fourteen and a half. Over mm-hmm. under is sixty and a half. James Franklin has absolutely been abused by Michigan, but when it comes to playing Ohio State, he just seems to have their number. Ohio State is 1 in 5 in the last 6 meetings against the spread. James Franklin group in Penn State has done a great job of staying within the number. They can't convert the wins, but they've done a good no, job from the I was about betting to say, they perspective. Don't win. Yes. Yeah. Now, Ohio State's had some tr- troubles. Healthy being healthy is one of them. And Jigba seems to not be able to stay on the field for very long. At this point, I question why they're even looking to play him at times. Like last week he was limping around out there. It's like, you've got a big game against Michigan coming down the road. That is your objective. Get past Michigan, get into the playoffs. I don't really think they need him. but the offense has not been as well of an oiled machine as I'd like to see going mm-hmm. in at to Penn state. Do you see this Penn state team able to cover a 14 number or even push Ohio state for a potential win in this one?
1: Um, what I see, what I predict, is Penn State getting out to a getting up big early, so maybe like a fourteen nothing or a twenty-one seven, something like that, and then to James Franklin, the James Franklin effect happened to them, at, just like it did at Michigan, and will that'll be the last twenty-one points or fourteen points they score uh, for the rest of the game. I I think Ohio State is playing very conservatively. I think Ryan day is masking a lot of both his offense and his defense. And the only reason I say this is because when they've been in close games, games, they shouldn't have been close. Something flips for Ohio state and they go ahead and like put their foot in the ground and, and just get that game won. I think we're not seeing everything from OSU purposely. Um, and I don't know where everybody stands on that, but when I watch that team, that's it. I feel like they're playing at half speed sometimes.
0: I don't hate that theory because I have at times sat on my couch and we know the weapons they have and the talent <laughs> they have and the kind of they're ceiling offensively, and it just it doesn't feel like they've pushed it into fifth gear and really maximizing this offense. So I don't hate that theory. Now, part of it I also think is Henderson hasn't been fully healthy, the running back who we True. know is just. Weapon X for that offense, and he is gonna—he is fully healthy now at this point in the season. But yeah, it's not a bad point you bring up because I I have at times been left scratching my head. I mean, you even look last week. Sure, if you look at the box score, you go, "Wow, they really poured it on a pretty good Iowa uh, defense." But then when you when you actually look at the game, their starting field position, average starting field position was like the 45 of Iowa. Like their defense has done such a good job of of putting them in great positions and having great starting field position, it wasn't the fact that they were driving the length of the field or having these big explosive plays. They did struggle, especially early in that game, Um, which I think brings up another good point. You know, we talk so much about their offense. It's really their defense in Jim Knowles, who might be the higher of the decade, because this defense has flipped like that this season. Mm -hmm. It is a much more aggressive defense. You can tell the mentality has has switched, because you saw in that Michigan game, they got punched, and they did not respond well. This year... This is a feisty defense. This is a downhill defense. This is a defense that is vastly improved. Now, there are questions. They haven't really played a very competent offense. They haven't really played a very competent football team. They struggled against Notre Dame, which when they scheduled them was well-intentioned because that should have been a good game on their schedule. We've seen what Notre Dame's become. This is going to be a test for them. While Penn State doesn't, doesn't present the biggest threat offensively, we saw last week Sean Clifford against Minnesota, finally get going. Probably the best game of his career at this point against a good Minnesota team. So I think the energy boost from playing really well against Minnesota plays in Penn State's favor. I think what doesn't is the fact that this isn't a night game whiteout, which has drastically helped them in this matchup in the past. This is a noon kickoff, which kind of sucks for Penn State.
1: The other thing that sucks for Ohio State in this game um, is that however you beat... Penn State, if you beat Penn State, will be compared to how Michigan beat Penn State. Yes. And if you do if you do a piss poor job in beating Penn State, your two will look like a four or a five very quickly.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be a very interesting. That's a fantastic point, something I I'd forgotten to mention. Like this is going to be a very important game to see how Ohio State runs the football because Penn State does present some challenges with their secondary. They do have some talent back there and it's playing yes. pretty well. So yes. can Ohio State show that up front? they can win the war in the trenches, very similar to what Michigan did. Because if they're not blowing guys off the ball like Michigan did, I think that starts to raise concerns when we get to the Michigan game about what this offense will be able to do if their passing game is stifled or trips and falls a little bit.
1: Yeah, it makes me want to take some of Ohio State's D-line and put them on the (laughs) O-line. like Because sometimes I'm like, Shroud just needed a half a second more, right? Right. And you you couldn't give it to him, so then he ends up throwing it, and now he's either behind the receiver or he's overthrown the receiver, or it's just like, like I said, like a half a second, and it would it would be there. Um, and I'm just like, well, how how is the O line? And it's not even like they collapse; they just get pushed around him, right? So it yeah. like takes away his his mobility a little bit, or away. the other thing about Stroud. You kind of see this with Justin Fields too. And I don't know if this is a Ryan Day thing. I don't know if it, I feel like Stroud and Fields in, in, in um the perfect and Professional, they go through two progressions. And if those two progressions aren't <laughs> there, they're gone. But I'm like, you have other receivers yes. out there on the tight end. But you two pick two. And if they're not there, we gotta do something else. Uh, and again, I've never been under center, right? So I don't know. I I I get to look at the game from a bird's eye view and say, well, you missed that receiver, yep. you missed that receiver. So, um, it's a fair also, evaluation.
0: Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not it's not unfair to say to say the least. And sometimes Stroud <laughs> does big ball hunt, which is a little mm-hmm. a little frustrating at times. Um, but yeah, he no, I throw don't disagree. Forward
1: of his body. Yep. I'm just like, if you get hit like that, you know that's probably career ending, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's not great,
0: (laughs) to say the least. Um, It'll be an interesting game. The game within the game. Penn State has done a phenomenal job, like we said, staying within the number from a betting perspective. Haven't been able to get one. It's going to take a herculean effort for Sean Clifford in this game, I think, for the Penn State team to stay with this one because it it ultimately is going to fall on his shoulders. He's got to play well. It's the thing that would make me nervous about betting Penn State because we've seen such inconsistency from Sean Clifford game to game. If we get Sean Clifford that we got last week against Minnesota State, then this team very much has a shot to stay within the number of 14. But if we get some early season Sean Clifford, this thing could get ugly real quick and really run get away from Penn State very fast. Um, Only other game I had a note on Oklahoma State, Kansas State, we talked a little bit about Oklahoma State and their bag of tricks. This is a game, Kansas State, and how they failed me last week, but we we, we evaluated it correctly. We made the right bet. It's just one of those things. Sometimes you get some negative variance. You get a third-string quarterback out there because your first two go down. There's a That's night and so day difference weird. between Adrian Martinez and his backups, which is crazy mm-hmm. to be saying this year, but it's true. I mean, the Adrian Martinez you were used to seeing at Nebraska – throw that image out because he has absolutely been on an insane redemption tour and that's what makes this game especially hard to handicap right now the injury report this is a game we got to wait for the injury report if you have a feeling or a read that adrian martinez is going to be 100 deuce the running back is also not going to be 100 because in the in the press conference they said he's dealing with an injury they weren't specific they said it was a knees brew a, a knee bruise, which is the knee bruised or is the bone <laughs> yep. bruised in the knee? Because that yep, is yep. very different. <laughs> um, what what kind of injury? They weren't very specific. So injury report's going to be huge for this game. But if it does look like Adrian Martinez isn't going to be 100% to go, I do think Oklahoma State is the side in this one. They've just been magical. Spencer Sanders, I mean, the way he's been playing through injury and toughing it out has been phenomenal. Um, but if the injury report starts to look a little better for Kansas State, then Kansas State, I think, is the side in that one.
1: I'm going to take this in a completely different direction. And, you know, don't get mad at me. <laughs> Kansas State losing that game did two things. One, if TCU goes undefeated, that – TCU fans, I want you to be ready for heartbreak like you were in 2015. Was it 2015 or 2014? 2015, 20, one of those years where they got snubbed somewhere. You guys remember yep. when you got snubbed. I, I need you to, TCU fans, Horn Frogs, I need you to go ahead and um, get ready for that again <laughs> because they will leave you out of the college football oh, yeah. turner, or um, playoffs. Um, but also, they don't have... Uh, Texas, I know they play West Virginia and um, but Texas maybe is their biggest th- hurdle that TCU should be thanking can't like sending them flowers for losing that game, because I think you should run the table. Again, this is about Kansas <laughs> Oklahoma state, Kansas state, um, but, yeah, you made it very difficult. Also, I also don't believe in T- – so I'm saying all this. I don't believe in TCU. I think a big collapse is coming for them mm-hmm. soon. I don't know who it's against. I don't know if it's an Iowa State. I don't know if it's a Baylor. I don't know who it – a Texas Tech. I just feel it. I feel it in my bones that y'all are, you're all going to get blown out by a team you shouldn't lose to. Um, but, again, TCU fans, if you are – Thinking that you're going to go undefeated, I hope you don't think that even if you go undefeated that you're going to the playoffs because you're not.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, other bet that I'll probably place, I think for a lot of you, make sure you're following Atrovic Gets Pod. We'll give out a lot of picks there. If you've been able to read between some of the lines on these game analysis, I think you know which way we're going. The UC <laughs> game, I am going to make the bet there. 14.5 against Arizona. I'm a little nervous about it because, you know, how I don't this...
1: understand UC schedule,
0: USC, um, or USC. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it's a USC little nerve wracking to make this pick because they do, they're coming off that Utah loss and it's, how do you respond after that loss? Their season isn't completely lost though. Um, they have a lot of opportunities here. You got UCLA towards the back end of the schedule to still make up for this. Um, you had a buy to kind of regain yourself, recenter yourself come back strong here arizona is a joke at this point so i do like um usc minus the 14 and a half a little nervous about it this is going to be uh plug your nose hold on to your butts let's see how this usc team responds but coming off the bye i do think we're going to see some fireworks in this game and i I like usc in that one
1: yeah um our boys ucla got embarrassed the bruins got embarrassed yeah Yeah. Not, not great
0: Speaking of UC2, by the way, I, I do think there's some value in, in taking University of South Florida in that game. Um, UC just doesn't – they don't have it this year. They're missing that special sauce. They don't have the NFL player caliber Titans. Uh, UCF, I apologize. I said Yeah, UCF. USF. I was like, huh? UCF, I apologize. U- UCF, It's yeah. a game in U- UCF. That that place gets rocking. I, I think there's a lot of value in that ucf team at one
1: no i don't right think there's now. a lot of separation between ucf and cincinnati talent wise if we're okay yeah. i think yeah cincinnati is is ranked but 20 i don't i don't take much it, stock it's in, named and, stock
0: after last year yeah. it's just respect and, and hangover from last year that's keeping them in the top 20 I, I don't they're not a top 25 team in my opinion
1: also i know there are line fans that are listening to this and they're like how are how Are these two not talking about (laughs) Illinois? uh,
0: Because they have no offense is how we're not talking about them. I was
1: about to say, it's because they play ugly football (laughs) and they are winning games in the Big Ten. And this is what people complain about. I know Illinois fans are happy, but man, it's some of the worst football I've ever watched.
0: If we're going to give Iowa (laughs) crap for their offense, Illinois, you're not too far behind. That offense is a stinger. I mean, phenomenal defense. Don't get me wrong. The alumni, I mean... What they're doing there, it's very impressive for the the team, and I hope they get better because I remember back in the day when they had, what was it, Juice Williams at quarterback in that squad. Um was fun to watch, but, yeah, no, they play horrendously ugly football, and that offense is a stinker week in and week out. I mean, that Iowa-Illinois game, 6-9, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I don't know. how. Now i got to look to see how many points has Illinois put up.
0: Uh, 26-14 against Minnesota. 9-6 uh, against Iowa. 9 to, nine to 6, six. <laughs> They not. had some good luck in the Wisconsin game, but outside of that it was sort of a stinker. Like it's just it, it's not great. They put up tw- they lost to um Indiana 20 to 23. It's like oh my god. Um, that, that
1: Indiana game was
0: Ugh. Yeah, Nebraska's having a little bit of a resurgence too. I mean, I like Illinois in that game, um, but Nebraska's having last couple weeks hasn't looked putrid. I'll say that. I mean, they gave a fight to Purdue, they beat Rutgers, beat Rutgers. they beat, beat Indiana. Indiana. Like since Oklahoma, they've they've started to look a little bit better um, because they do have yeah. talent. They don't. It's not like they don't have talent. They just have horrible. This coaching.
1: game is going to be interesting to watch in the sense of like. <laughs> who has the better ugly offense. Yeah. Um. But should you watch this game, other, other games? Not unless you went to the University of Illinois or the University <laughs> of Nebraska. <Yeah. laughs> I don't think you should watch this game. Uh, it's, it's it's wild to me that they're like, like when you talk about the hype around this game, it's like Illinois secondary versus Thompson. Like, no. No. That's not no. that's not what's gonna happen this game is gonna be
0: 14-17. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. Um but it'll be I, I do I I like Illinois to win that one. Um but yeah, we'll see. Anything else before we uh wrap this up? No, sir. Perfect. Well, make sure you're following at Trophy Kids Pod on both Instagram and Twitter for more additional picks and content. And as always, peace. Peace.